I know this is like totally unrelated, but can we talk about the tech people? Apparently, it's not all tits and champagne within the tech industry. <laughs> They'll be fine, you say. They have those fat paychecks, don't they? Well, not everyone is a self-made by mommy CEO, however, to quote one of our guests for this episode, and the tech lifestyle can throw quite a few curves at you. This episode we follow Bogdan along his journey, hopping from one tech job to another, across the country and eventually the continent. We talk outsourcing, unpaid overtime and deadlines that defy the space-time continuum. Let's go! It's been an interesting summer, <laughs> put it mildly. <laughs> I'm sure we, no, none of us is going to ever forget it. I think I can summarize it by just saying that I'm happy to be alive and to be here to do this podcast because it means that... You're alive. Exactly. <laughs> and that's probably the most we can, we can ever hope for <laughs> these days. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's uh, the millennial lifestyle, isn't it? Exactly, it's, it's this... Um, uh, I'm a minimalist fundamentalist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so way back in the day, <laughs> when you first joined me to talk about some dreadful, dreadful, horrible 19th century politician, uh, and I asked you to introduce yourself, uh, you mentioned you are part of the IT crowd. And uh, this episode, I wanted to have an interview slash gossip fest slash general moaning and venting session about what it means to be a tech worker. And uh, since my knowledge is uh, fairly limited in, in this area, I can only provide the Philistine take on pretty much everything that has to do with the topic. Uh, while you have the insiders and, you know, unfortunately, occasionally victims perspective. So I wanted to have this chat with you about those working in this tech industry, because in most countries, at least, they are a segment of the population that is substantially better paid than those in other occupations. And it's sort of unlikely that when you discuss the working man or woman's plight, you'd think of a tech worker, right? Despite the fact that the industry itself encompasses a wide enough range of jobs uh, for you to have large discrepancies between the wages, I assume. And uh, in Romania, especially in large cities or in growing ones, IT workers are generally blamed for rent and cost of living increases. So it's hard for someone earning a lot less to feel solidarity or empathy towards them, is sort of what I'm trying to say. But there is certainly a a lot to talk about in terms of workers' rights, uh, abuse in the workplace, mental, sexual, and probably at times even physical. So that's why I grabbed you, <laughs> our closest tech pal for the job. So to kick things off, how long have you been working in the IT industry? Well, roughly speaking, I started my career in 2014 with my placement here, so smack in the middle of university mm -hmm. life. Uh, I mean, it wasn't really a placement that was more like the excuse mm -hmm. I had after the fact 
because I'm, I got a full employment contract in Cluj. Uh, I didn't want to lose it, so I, I, like I said, I informed you that I'll be taking it to take advantage of it. Normally, you'd request a placement here, then do your utmost to actually find a job. I, I mean, I couldn't even get hired in the level for uh, during three years of studying, so I, the, the way they wanted it to be done was basically almost impossible. Uh, so, I mean, you can imagine my shock when I landed up, you know, a, a guy that did what, 3D modeling mm-hmm. uh, the first year and then pivoted towards like design with programming. And then I, I ended up being asked if I didn't want to relocate like the opposite end of the country for a full-time position as a C++ developer. A small note here, uh, C++ is, is one of the programming languages, the things you write your code mm-hmm. in. Uh, that's probably viewed as one of the most toughest ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm not even among the popular ones employed in the industry because it's the one that's underpinning stuff like operating systems like you know windows mm-hmm. uh, uh, coffee machines and carp uh, dashboards etc so the discrepancy was huge you arrived in Cluj and this is how we met uh, during your brief stint in Cluj mm-hmm. but then you moved around a few times <laughs> how did you end up in Malta yeah. right where you are located right now oh well, that's uh, um, it's, a, it's a long story and this entire po- Odyssey, if you can call it this way, was basically motivated by my my need to, to liquidate my, my student loan. The infamous student loan. It sets people in motion. You are like the Ulysses of... Uh... Uh, and to be honest, I think I, I think I had it a lot, a lot easier than, than most people. I mean, even, even in Europe. I mean, even in pre-Brexit. Pre-Brexit was better than post-Brexit because they doubled tuition fees from, mm-hmm. from what I... They had uh, doubled tuition fees just as I finished my degree, and then <laughs> they doubled them again. So it's it's getting a bit crazy. Yeah, I I mean you know to to, to segue a bit into into the main topic of our discussion, uh, some people keep thinking of of Moore's law, you know, where where progress is exponential. Okay, that maybe was valid for how much juice you can you can get out of the same piece of uh, of silicon, but really you can't apply the same thing to humans. You can't just extort them exponentially year on year. But apparently, some some aren't getting the memo yet. Um, no, they're so not. So I returned. You know, I I returned. I returned to, to Romania. Um, get back. Got back in contact with my uh, my first employer. Mm-hmm. Um, from from Cluj because well it was the only thing I had and uh, a freshly minted debt as well and they opened they opened an office in um, in in Yash so I figured yeah okay that's that's nice mm-hmm. I can sit in my hometown I don't have to pay rent anymore I can I can work for the same employer which mm-hmm. you know I figured. The devil, you know. Exactly, but you know that's that's the um, that, that, that's the that's the bad that's the bad thing about it. Um, I didn't really see my employer back then as the devil. I mm. I knew that offer, and you know, like like I said, was quite was quite a shock to be receiving such an offer. One of the one of the other reasons I didn't mention for you know moving to Cluj and all of that was uh, I was in a bit of a rough spot uh, back then. Uh, mm-hmm. The coping with depression and, and all that stuff almost nearly fell in the in the alt right pipeline. Mm-hmm. Managed to managed to pull myself out, although I was still 
trapped in what some unsavory characters and this uh, th- this employer you know was uh, I mean I made a conscious decision to get hired and all of that because I figured okay if I keep my mind occupied it's going to help me through and well the first impression was really good the team was good uh, everything was was okay of course the salary was dirt was, was dog shit compared to the average in the industry yeah. But I didn't really care that much. I was just happy I had a purpose. I had the team and I worked on a cool project. And mm-hmm. that, uh, during, during that emotionally vulnerable phase of mine, I suppose, left me with, uh, with probably an unhealthy amount of appreciation towards my employer. Mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. all came crashing down against me when everything in Yash turned out to be the polar opposite of what I experienced in Cluj. The project I ended up with was uh, working on was was a clusterfuck. Uh, the um, so our our direct customer was a German startup, which turned out to be uh, you know your classical milk the VCs of uh, of, of their money with fake uh, vape with fake promises and then bail out when when when, mm-hmm. when, you, when you get caught. And we were trying to work with them on an almost impossible project for. Um, an American company, and it was the company's reputation, our company's reputation at stake. Uh, while we also had to somehow deliver on something that the other, our direct customer was supposed to be working on, uh, was a triangle of death. If you add up to stuff like this, um, management's priority will always be their bottom line, and of course the company. They they mm-hmm. they could care less about about you. Their only responsibilities towards the shareholders. Yeah, which <laughs> and themselves. <laughs> I mean, the warnings were all were there from from way long ago. But you know how this with with management, you try to warn them about situations arising from within the projects within within the situation. They're like, yeah, okay, okay, technical details. I don't care. You know, do, do what you what you want to do. And when they those things spiral out of, okay, I don't give a shit what you guys say or do. Fix it immediately. And, and and if you and if you go, I told you so. Then they retaliate. <laughs> yeah, or they pretend they didn't hear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The team lead at that time, I mean, we didn't really get along at all, and I didn't get along with my other colleagues either. So I kind of felt trapped. I had no one to talk to about it, and HR felt like a whole bunch of bullshit. Talked to my former colleagues from from Cluj, from the same company, and told them about my my woes. You know, talked to my former team lead as well. Well, obviously he was more than happy to have me back on his team, but unfortunately, well, there were no open positions for me, so couldn't just just couldn't justify a transfer. So you know that was kind of like my my awakening moment when I realized that the company I <laughs> I formed a very strong emotional attachment to was well, it wasn't really the company actually, it was actually the the people from from Close, the collective from from Close, which made made me feel like a like a valuable colleague. So, so, so basically, the lesson uh, for you was that people will love you, but work won't. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you know, I think I've heard this, this, these discussions uh, often, oftentimes. People kept saying, um, you know, about politicians or managers. Oh, but they're so nice, such nice guys. You know, they 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 talk about their hobbies and they have like these little cute pets that they care about and and blah blah blah. And they donate to to funds and charities. Well, yeah, okay, nobody says, you know, p- 
people aren't people at the end of the day, but when it comes down to this, these relationships within within corporations, within businesses, these financial relationships, you know, the the human element just goes out the window. So it 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 feels a bit like uh, most of the modern workplaces. I'm not saying there aren't exceptions, obviously, because there are so many occupations out there but in many instances where people do actually form strong friendships or uh, they have good relationships oftentimes it feels like it is despite the the way things are organized in 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 the workplace generally because as you said first and foremost um, management is cut off from uh, the the people doing the actual work most of the time and there's when communication happens is very one-sided and miscommunication is rampant. Uh, and also oftentimes, although there is a lot of talk about cooperation, but there are these incentives to pit people against one another because, I don't know, to encourage competitiveness or I, something. It, it, it sort of ties in, you know, this, this discrepancy between uh, these hard-coded metrics that we were talking about and how they don't mesh with reality. At, uh, I, I actually took, you know, I actually took those metrics to, to heart because, well, you know, coming from technical background and just, okay, these are numbers. I have to, I'm represented by them. I have to stick to them. So, yeah. The yeah, numbers you know. don't lie. <laughs> so, you know, when I, when I started noticing that I was actually st- Slipping down the deep end, I was like, okay, maybe there's something to work on. So, you know, I joined these bullshit soft skills and anger management courses, which, you know, basically were, I don't know, maybe there are courses out there that things out there that actually do work but the, but the stuff that's being you generally sell, sold to corporations is usually they're basically just others trying to you know leech off of money and these these things didn't change a thing for me because obviously it wasn't it's an interrelational thing it's not an internal thing exactly individual you know, the, 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 the optics is that you're the individual you have to improve yourself so you know i, I basically gaslit myself there thinking the company is great and my toxic colleagues since they seem to get along themselves and are technically competent you know again the numbers they, they, which don't lie then mm, i'm probably broken somehow yeah this is this is really bad the whole uh, making people feel like they're the problem i mean obviously judging from a uh, on a case-by-case scenario, there might be obviously individuals within a company that they're not pulling their weight, they're having trouble adapting, so on and so forth. We're not saying that it, it's never an individual problem or it's never someone needing to make adjustments, obviously, but clearly you cannot just go, yes, it's always an individual problem. Yeah, you know, all this, um, all this talk about the HR departments brings to mind uh, some of uh, mine and Diana's former conversations Mm. about the fact that um, most of the times the HR departments are not even equipped to deal with some of the problems. And I mean, they don't have the the, the knowledge and uh, resources. I'm not sure exactly what resources those would be to investigate the issue. I mean... 
one colleague comes up and says like i don't know the boss does whatever or my colleagues did whatever and uh, generally the the person in hr is not really like in the middle of the things he, he's not part of the team yeah he, that, he or her or whatever, they're not part of the projects. They don't have the same actual training as all the other people that are actually working in the company. So they're basically this outside person that most of the time doesn't understand what the fuck is going on, you know? Yeah, and who probably most of the time will just judge things based on, yeah, I guess some guidelines if they do have uh, such a thing. Mm -hmm. But I think it weighs very heavily into what the person who is the victim or the person who is accused of something, how important they are within the company. Like that's probably going to influence how they look at Sometimes, it. but other times, honestly, at least what I noticed with the HR in Romania, mm -hmm. the, their most played hand, let's say, is go to the person that it's actually reasonable and be like, couldn't you be even more reasonable? Yeah. You, you, you know, we, we, we know that other person is shitty, so, but, but you cannot have a discussion with them because they're shitty. They, they, they don't respond well to whatever we say. So how about you make even more compromises? Mm -hmm. Because that person, we already know it's shitty. So yeah. this is what happens most of the times in my experience, let's say. I'm not trying to generalize. They have universe. an aversion towards doing their job. Yes, because they don't know how to do it, you know, mm -hmm. because they, they tried talking to the person who just told them to fuck off and they, they, they don't... Um, I'm not exactly sure what exactly they do in whatever school they do go to. The school of <laughs> HR. <laughs> the the, the yeah, school no, of life. Yeah, no, I mean, mostly they should be psychologists. I think that's a very, that's very rarely the case. Yeah, but I mean, that's what, I mean, in, in my mind, that's what they should be to have some sort of resources to handle this sort of situations because otherwise how do you know how to do anything i don't know they gen generally they don't know how to how to handle the conversation if the person they go to talk to just goes like fuck off and if they don't have the um, you know the green light let's say from higher ups to just fire the person i they they they've got nothing actually mm -hmm. I mean, the, their, their occupations and the title, human resources, like with any resource, they care only about the acquisition and the Buying sale potatoes, of the Buying potatoes, selling potatoes. Oi, oi. Yeah, it's, it's, it's literally that. I mean, we're, we're basically just resources in the supply chain of, mm -hmm. of recruitment agencies harvesting us like vegetables and selling us off for consumption. Actually, one of the former jobs I worked for didn't even have their own HR department. Everything was externalized. So, yeah, but Irina, what you were saying about, you know, having these guys actually close to the teams, these guys weren't even close to the company. They <laughs> were <laughs> literally outside. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like in a parallel universe. So, you know, plus easier to basically just sell, thing, sell things by um, bribing, I mean, negotiating your <laughs> early leave when you're no longer fit for consumption, when you're being too much of a pain mm -hmm, in, their, mm -hmm. in their ass. Um, plus, I mean, you know, on, on the other hand, it's kind of hard to you know, fire your boss and all <laughs> that impossible. you work for. <laughs> mm, yeah, 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 pretty much. Um, 
You know, don't don't get me started on all the cover-ups of sexual harassment quietly smothered by HR because the abusers were mm. considered valuable professionals. Yeah. You know, looking at all the scandals and the uh, and I hope um, uh, Stephanie Sterling won't sue me for this. Triple <laughs> companies, um, liberal yeah. using trademark yeah. there. Sorry about that. <laughs> it's Ubisoft, uh, EA, all of these. Massive scandals of Blizzard, mm-hmm. Activision Blizzard, massive scandals of HR, basically, the only thing they were used for was to basically just receive complaints from people and put them in the, in the shredder. Uh, we ended up eventually because so many p- things that were supposed to be delivered by our direct customer mm-hmm. weren't being delivered. We ended up with a, with a meeting, with an emergency meeting between our CEO and owner uh, and, the de- and the representative from the American mm. company, which theoretically we didn't have direct links with. Uh, and uh, at the end of the day, we basically short-circuited the, um, out of the equation the, uh, the German mm-hmm. startup. So probably I think the the Americans figured out what mm-hmm. was going on and they realized that they they should probably better strike a deal with us directly if they want to salvage uh-huh. anything out of this. That's my guess. Uh, but I didn't stay uh, stay long to figure, yeah, <laughs> figure yeah, yeah. out how they sorted out this mess. So eventually I ended up bailing out of there for suffering a breakdown, and I. I was happy then that a former high school friend was working as a as a web developer on d- in a different company and he mm-hmm. managed to get me in into that uh, work environment because he told me it's a it's a peaceful work environment and things are okay. I mean it was a bit of a of a, uh, of a shift for me uh, because like I said C++ was mostly used for stuff like e-bikes, industrial things, uh, automotive, uh, smart gadgets and whatever. Well, web development is a bit of a different beast because it focuses more on managing data and sending it across the <laughs> the intertubes. Uh, yeah, so I, I joined these guys and well, it was it was a nice experience, you know, for getting to see, for getting to work on. Uh, that's how I started on my path towards becoming a jack of all trades, sort of. It was it was it was an interesting experience. It was also an outsourcing company. It was a bit better. There's there's still one one bit of an asshole uh, of a of a guy in the team, but nah, you know, it's you 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 never you can never hope for a perfect. Yeah. Uh, uh, mix. So yeah, uh, we were. Uh, they had this this thing called uh, you know thing on the bench. It was basically they were kind of like hiring. Uh, they were recruiting people uh, without actually having a need for uh, for developers for particular projects, which was nice, I suppose, because projects come and go. I mean, you, you know, it's kind of like uh, like the gig economy, but within between businesses, mm-hmm. sort of. So if you end up being recruited during a recruitment drive for a particular project and that project 
usually needs a recruitment drive because it's, I don't know, some rich guy's head is on fire and he needs it extinguished yesterday. HR will, will do whatever they can, all the razzle-dazzle in the world to get you hired and then when the project dies out, oh, okay, we don't need you guys anymore uh, because the emergency is over, so layoffs. This is, uh, this guys... is sorry, sorry to interrupt, but this is really interesting because it mm-hmm. reminds me uh, at one point when I was in the UK and I remember... Uh, talking with some of my British colleagues and they were telling me about these recruitment companies that function very much in the way you describe. So, you know, okay, we need you for this very particular task. You're not really hired. We just pay you. It's almost like they pay you daily or hourly, right? Uh, And it's so interesting Mm. to see that you don't only have this system for very low paying jobs because these were obviously things like, I don't know, I want you to walk my dog and... I don't know, but to also say it for because uh, you uh, oftentimes they say, well, it's low skill jobs. Really, if you would like to have more stability and be paid more, then you know, get a get an ed- education or you know, learn to code, bro. So uh, there you go. Even if you learn to code, bro, this sort of uh, way of uh, you know earning a living or not is still something that can be part of your life. So a call came in eventually from the uh, the office and head office in, in Bucharest that they had um, the guys from from ING the bank which was one mm-hmm. of the customers they they had an urgent need for DevOps engineer huh okay DevOps engineer let me, let me try to explain what this is because to be honest even for People in the IT industry, it's still kind of it's a mystery for you. Like, for me, it's just uh, I, like it could be another language. An enigma wrapped in a mystery, wrapped yeah. in a conundrum. <laughs> to- totally, but give it a try. Come on, give it your best shot. What is this? Uh, well, okay, so uh, linguistically speaking, because that's the easiest explanation one can come up with, DevOps comes from developer uh, operations. Um, it's you're kind of like a jack of all trades, well, of two trades, really, uh, stuck between developers, uh, the guys that actually write the, the, the software, the code for, for, for the applications, and operations, aka IT, as in infrastructure and support networks and, you know, the stuff that applications run on. This DevOps engineer is the guy that basically tries to, I mean, works alongside the developers, to ensure that the infrastructure supporting the applications they're testing and building and debugging and whatever you know gives them exists, you know if if the developers are say the truckers then uh, DevOps would be a kind of a jack of all trades that builds builds the roads ensures the trucks work. And you are the government. <laughs> Yeah, sort of, but uh, it's not top-down. You're, you're kind of actually things just crash in your head whenever... You're a libertarian place. government. <laughs> a minimal yeah, pretty state. Pretty much. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, you, you take, but you take all the blame and none of the credits, really. Um, uh, of course, it, it, it depends on, on how much of, of the work you're doing is actual uh, IT infrastructure stuff and how much of the work you're doing is actually more developer-oriented. But this is, you know, every company has their own mm-hmm. way of dealing with this. 
mostly because every company, like every human, actually understands the concept of DevOps completely differently. Uh, but anyway, for me, you know, like you said, it was an, an, enigma, yeah, an enigma wrapped in, in a mystery. And I figured, oh, okay, you know what? I switched from doing coding stuff for e-bikes to coding web pages. Like, okay, I mean, what's worse that could happen? Sure, let, let, let's try this as well. And before I had the interview with the guys from ING, I legit actually Googled the Wikipedia article for DevOps to actually understand what the hell they I, I just they love this sort of confidence coming from guys. They're like, ah, oh, yeah, I got a job interview. I, I, I would just Google what the hell am I supposed to do I, and I, yeah, just I mean, show up. I, I have to say that it's pretty much how I went to my last job interview where my current boss asked me, so what do you actually know about oncology nutrition? And my answer was nothing. <laughs> yes, Irina, but you are but you are an honorary white male. I, 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 we I all am. know that. <laughs> so, yeah, and, uh, and, and I followed the nothing pretty quickly uh, with... Um, but uh, I will guarantee you that nobody else will actually know anything. And I am upfront about it and capable of learning. <laughs> and, uh, my then uh, person who was doing the interview and current boss, bosses, because there are two guys... They they look at me and they said, oh. well, fair enough, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, it for for the three people listening to us, just go to just go to the interview. There is no death penalty for a horrible interview, so just go and do it. Whatever it is, even if you just Google the Wikipedia page, just do it. <laughs> okay, so yeah. go 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 ahead, Bogdan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, in in my defense, in my defense, uh, they they did mention from the get go that no experience required, willing willingness, ah, willingness, wow, willingness to to learn uh, is is expected, and I, I've spent an ungodly amount of time during high school just messing around with IT related stuff and configuring virtual machines and networks and whatever and normal nerd stuff instead of normal normie stuff like going outside and playing. Uh, so I figured, yeah, okay, I mean, the idea was basically, hey, okay, now, now's, the, now's the chance to actually turn some more or less useless knowledge into something practical. Same way I, I did actually with, with my university degree. Plus, you know, I was paying my student debt um, at 32,000 pounds and me repaying about uh, 150 to 300 a month. That was that was barely covering the, uh, what you call the interest rate. So the salary they were offering in Bucharest was double, was double that amount. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I don't want to be staying in this that hellhole for the rest of my life if it means actually having a chance to realistically decrease my debt then yeah okay i'll do it so off i went to bucharest it was interesting working for a bank 
The tech department was a bit was a bit of a world of its own, really. I mean, banks and the automotive sector are highly conservative uh, environments. This department was a bit interesting because, like I said, it's it, it was it was a bit of a world of its own. IMG, at least in in Romania, tries to sell itself as a digit well, okay, not digital first bank, more like a brick and mortar bank, but at the forefront of, of technology. Let me tell you that internally, the non techy part of the bank I, never I just really have to held say us. One thing about IMG because I hate them with like every fiber of my being. <laughs> I only uh, had to interact with ING once um, when um, I had my 10 years anniversary uh, of finishing high school and uh, the guy who was doing the organizing um, was uh, collecting the money from us in an ING account because that's where he kept his money. So like a normal mm-hmm. person I went to a random ING uh, branch and I said, uh, you know, I, I have to put this money into this account. And the woman at the desk looked at me and with a serious face told me, I'm sorry, we do not work with money. <laughs> and I was like, potatoes? <laughs> I don't, I, I'm like, is, is this not a bank? What do you mean you don't work with money? And then she, she, she looked at me like I was like the scum of the earth. I mean we don't work with cash. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, you peasant. You peasant, exactly. And I'm like, and how the fuck am I supposed to put this money into this guy's account? And she was like, you could open up an account with our bank. And I'm like, fuck you. Oh, okay, so then you can actually <laughs> physically take money, but otherwise you, you can't, your hands are tied or they, they, they just disappear. And, uh, and for everybody who doesn't know me, when I say that I said fuck you, like I actually, that's what I said. With all your body, you did a performative <laughs> dance. Yeah, Fuck you. And and then she explained to me that I can go to the main branch that was in a completely different part of town. And that is the only place Ah. where I could put my money into some sort of machine and uh, somehow direct it towards this guy uh, bank account. (laughs) And me being me. I just yelled in the middle of the fucking bank that ING can go fuck itself and whoever thought about making a bank that doesn't actually deal with cash can also go fuck themselves. <laughs> and, and, and then you were banned, right? <laughs> and, and then I left before the security dude came. Uh, and uh, I called my colleague and I told him that he can also shove his uh, organizing up his ass and unless he gives me a different uh, account that is not ING I will just not give him the money and the guy was like well okay like I trust you you can give me the money when you come in Constanza (laughs) so like that's my experience with ING and they can still go fuck themselves that being said do tell me more about their amazing IT department Fun fact: I was working. I was working at them when they rolled out the. Uh, we we no longer p- have uh, physical branches. Oh, so it was you! <laughs> oh my God! So it was you who should have gone fuck himself. Okay. <laughs> it's good that I didn't know that when we first became friends. 
<laughs> well, well. In, in all fairness, I never consider fucking myself as an insult, more as a pastime. So, uh, as a hobby. So. <laughs> That's all I'm cool with that. I don't mind. <laughs> okay, then let's move on. So we had a team lead I had back then. Was, yeah, he, he, was, he was an okay guy because he he pushed a lot. He he pushed the the envelope a lot in, in trying to actually modernize uh, the internal technologies uh, we used and or, well developers used in their in their daily activities. You might be saying, okay, what's the difference in, in changing, I don't know, one programming language for another or a version of a tool with, with, with something else? You know, it's kind of like, uh, in this case, kind of like switching from, say, uh, I don't know, a miner's pick to a pneumatic drill okay. in a way. It's, uh, apart from productivity increases, it also made lives the lives of developers a lot easier. The technology we were using internally was 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 obscene, ancient. You stuff. were chipping the code onto a block. Yeah, on on a, on a clay tablet, and then we had to go to the furnace on the twenty seventh floor to actually, you know, uh, <laughs> write the code in, in the tablet. Then that tablet had to be sent to the data center with messengers, and yeah, it was. Uh, it was really hard, especially when the oxygen broke. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how how the hell this guy actually managed to convince management to do because there there were a lot of changes done. Uh, it wasn't exciting. It was nice, you know. So many things were were being changed and, and pushed until he got promoted out of the way. And uh, from what I've heard from former colleagues, they've they've been telling me that nothing has changed ever since I left. So something tells me that okay, he got promoted out of the way, and that that was it. That that's where the reforms stopped. Uh, and people have been trying to move out of the company ever since. When you spend most of your time with dealing with bureaucracy instead of actually doing your work, yeah, it's. I mean, I I can understand. Mm-hmm. It. Yeah, eventually I had to leave these these guys as well because um, I was doing my first master's degree back then, remotely. I had to do, to focus solely on my dissertation project because the deadline was coming close, so I had to take unpaid leave and, well, if you take unpaid leave, of course you can't pay your rent because obviously landlords don't give a shit what you're doing or not. Uh, so I had to leave uh, back home in, in Yash, finish my dissertation, okay, everything was nice. After that I was like, well, okay, what am I going to... What am I going to do? Uh, took a temporary stint there for a company that broke off of uh, was a joint venture between uh, Continental and Osram. Uh, did some uh, tried to migrate uh, some of their data uh, over to new servers and stuff. They had, they had very, the project I worked on was was a bit insane. Uh, eventually, I, I I've solved the situation by actually being contacted by an HR recruiter for was recruiting for my first employer in Malta. I crunched the numbers for the budget they were offering me and I figured, okay, I can actually liquidate my loan in, in like two years instead of five to eight. And that was the end of that story. So yeah, off I went to Malta. Now, living in the country wasn't exactly an easy thing though, and I'm still questioning that decision this day. It's just so much emotional baggage into one wine to reflect upon. Well, that first job was another pain in the ass. Pompous rich kids, self-made by mommy CTO. Uh, CTO means chief technical officer. It's kind of like a 
technical director, I think, in Romania. Zero technical knowledge from him, to be honest. I'm not much of a director either. And really shady subcontractors, which... I mean, yeah, they were shady. They, they told me that actually the, the guy is... Shocker, I know. From a very rich family who made a solid fortune for the housing market. You mean a self-made man? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bar- bar- barely out of university and all, and already. That's only um... because he started making him making himself from very early on. Oh yeah. Sure, yes. sure. He's been pulling himself by the boots before he even had boots on his little teeny tiny toes. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I mean, uh, my father always used to tell me when I complained about whatever, wanting something. And my father always told me, it's your own fault because you didn't know whose child you <laughs> Wise words. So, wise wise words. So, like, yes, so, like, the children of very uh, wealthy parents have definitely uh, did their job since birth. I mean, they, they knew. They knew to be born very close <laughs> to the nucleus of meritocracy. That's what they did. Yes, 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 mm-hmm. absolutely. They've they've proven themselves to be way smarter than than all of us, you know, from from very early stages of their life. So I mean, yeah. wasn't the secret that mentioned the fact that you can also choose your parents? So I'm guessing they they just you know they were very mindful about the families that they would be born into. I I, I actually uh, I know that I like all the jokes about <laughs> the secret. But like I have no idea actually what what it said. What like I I know it it's about bullshit. Like putting vibes into the universe and the vibes. Will... QED. Hence your problems. You don't know about the secret. <laughs> yes, yes. I I realize that. Also, that's your not... attitude is not uh, conducive towards channeling the secret in your favor. Yes, I'm. 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 I'm sure that like I don't put the right vibes and I don't channel the right vibes back. Uh, have you Have you tried uh, investing into more mindfulness exercises? I, I I I tried, but when somebody tries to explain mindfulness to me, I try to slap them. So, if you ever hear that I've killed somebody, just just know that it it is highly likely that that person told me that they do not want a democracy, they want a meritocracy, mm. and they just like slashed their throat. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just so you know, if, if you ever hear that I snapped, it is highly likely to be attached to the word meritocracy. Do you have a Patreon? Can I give you a bucket list, please? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I have a huge bucket list of mine, but if I if if I happen to you know finish all the people on my list, I will get to your list. Oh, sounds good. Uh, the team leader actually from from my remote team, uh, he was one of the oldest guy in the, in the company mm-hmm. as in terms of experience, being with the project from the beginning. He kind of like uh, like ended ended up taking me as sort of like his organizer planner guy sort of scrum master the term the trade and you know this actually came at at a time when um, after our IT guy got fired because of this stupid shit uh, and it it was very demoralizing for me and I had several incidents with my with my CTO also because of, of stress and his utter incompetence so you know, having being backed by this guy was you know was was 
it was a lifeline. I mean, he saved me, he saved me from a lot of bullshit that was being sent my way. And, you know, in, in return, actually, we kind of managed to fight back in, in a way on <laughs> through the, the technical field. Um, our team lead was actually from Bangladesh. So totally different time zones, totally different locations. But he went beyond, up and beyond the, the, the call of duty. Like he actually broke lockdown during the monsoon season in, in order to reach the only place with internet access he could find in his area. Um, because he was so lockdown mm-hmm. caught him in, in, in his in his native village, um, which didn't have any kind of internet access. So he ended up breaking the lockdown to go in some middle of some some field somewhere to actually get mobile coverage, so he could stay in touch with us, so he could finish some stupid tasks that that the boss baby wanted done fast. Uh, he he told us in, in the in the meeting in our team meeting that he actually broke lockdown i honestly didn't know how to react i, I was like i was i, I was personally shocked and, and insanely grateful at the same time and yeah, actually, because I'm also there's a worried. pandemic yeah uh, so yeah while this was going on you know our cto was like ah, yeah well so he pulled on amazon like uh, yeah you shouldn't shit in the bags but not actually addressing the reason why people shit in the bags he didn't even bother stopping enough to actually finish this this three three word sentence. It was something like I don't know, like like you know, you you heard a fly buzzing around and just instinctively moved your hand, or something. So, did you feel like there was actually um, you know, despite all the bullshit, there was this sense of solidarity between you and your coworkers at least. I mean, this is what I'm getting. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, especially at least in, in, in this case. The, the shared the shared adversity and, you know, small acts of kindness from others and the sense of gratitude and, you know, mm-hmm. I have to give back definitely helped um, co- coagulate this, this kind of um, solidarity and, and resistance. Uh, for, a very, for a very short while, there was this... Um, this this young this younger junior colleague from from Ukraine, and I noticed in him the exact patterns of um, of, of of burnout and and, and stress uh, that I noticed in in myself as well when I when I started things, and I realized that actually this this guy is competent and actually he knows his shit, um, even though he's uh, you know the the things he physically del- delivered were indeed. Uh, well, not up to par, but I, I knew this was because of stress. I realized all this, and my uh, my team lead also also agreed mm-hmm. agreed with me. Obviously, the CTO didn't see this that well, and so what we ended up was actually me and the me and the team lead we we started manipulating the uh, the tasks and the planning schedules so as to try to give this guy uh, as as much um, free time as as possible. While also trying to to sell the, uh, the the things he's working on uh, to to make them more look more important than they, they actually were. I mean, truth be told, at at this stage in time, nobody actually really gave a shit about the product mm-hmm. or anything. It was basically just using the tools that you had to try to oppose the the, the shit that came from from up top. Now that's that's what we did. We we mm-hmm. overestimated 
the, the complexity of tasks. We exaggerated the time we, we needed to, to do things. We um, exaggerated the value of those things. And also, something I learned from, from university, I tried to create new tasks uh, that um, on paper looked like uh, they, they'd give a very high bonus and value, but they're just basically you <laughs> know time wasters. Really. Yeah. So it kind of makes you makes you think that uh, you know yeah we, we had this this solidarity going on inside and everything held up until you know our little team but no you longer never, even for a moment uh, discussed maybe making this ad hoc solidarity into something more structured, more more long-lasting that would maybe endure even if uh, some people would end up leaving the project and... The problem uh, here is I was actually the only, and in this department I was actually the only employee directly mm-hmm. uh, hired. All these were contract mm-hmm. stuff. And, you know, welcome to the gig economy. You're your own boss. You can, you can do whatever you want, blah, blah, blah. No. The only thing that, that this thing is useful for is that you're 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 not covered by labor law because ah you're you're a business entity you're not a person. <laughs> There's this um, this hyper individualist mentality is uh, is is actually very strong in in, in the sector. A lot of, um, of workers so far in the fields I, I've been on are very market liberal minded, mm-hmm. so to say. Not a lot of they, uh, communists um, in IT. <laughs> No, no. I actually no. <laughs> and it's it's always when it comes down to collective rights and collective bargaining, the the uh, you know the hyper competitiveness uh, edge come comes out, and and a lot of them go like, well, why should I let someone else uh, bargain for me? Huh? Why? No, no. I, I I want the best deal for me, and I and I can and the only way I can do it is is through myself. And I don't need others to 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 tell me what rights I have or not. Also, like what I noticed from my extremely generalized opinion of IT people, I'm <laughs> um, I'm 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 obviously kidding, but um, I know that I cannot have an opinion based on only the people that I tend to speak with. But my uh, my experience with the um, IT guys I spoke in Romania has been weird. Uh, the level at which most of them are not uh, not that they're not into politics. I talked with this one guy and we, we were talking about politics and I told him something about like uh, us in Romania we don't have many political parties like the, the political parties that actually end up having uh, enough votes to be in parliament and so are like I know four or five parties and like well, at least one of those are minorities so like we only have like three major parties right now mm-hmm. and I, I, I told the guy that the name of one of these parties and he was like I don't know what that is and I'm like what? <laughs> <laughs> like he didn't know the name, not that he didn't know like the what policies or whatever. And he's like, uh, no, no, I, I'm I'm not interested in the politics in Romania. And I'm like, but what? Where? Where? Where do you work? In Romania? Okay. <laughs> and and that experience uh, actually repeated itself a few times. So maybe other people in other countries that work in IT are sort of the same. Therefore, 
it's a lot harder to think about unionizing and uh, no, uh, plus you know there there's also also the work environment. If if the stress level and the amount of shit being thrown at you constantly is is just so high that you you barely have enough time to do much of anything else, you you're just trying to survive from one one day to another, and that's it, that's it about it. It seems to me it seems to me uh, like last time we talked about uh, maybe one of the few places where you should not uh, just post postpone any tasks uh, is like the emergency room <laughs> but I, yeah. it feels like maybe maybe the sort of uh, constant panic mode that you you've described for these projects is is like an artificial er room that has been created because at the end of the day with the exception probably of a few things you know you can write the i don't know the code or whatever you can get it done tomorrow i mean it's not exactly urgent in the sense that most people understand urgent. I mean, of course it is urgent for the people who have, I don't know, signed some contracts and they need to funnel the money this way or another or whatever they're imagining things. But it's not urgent in the way most people understand urgency. But nevertheless, as you said, it basically sacrifices the mental health of many of worker down the line who is constantly pushing and racing against the, uh, I don't know, imaginary deadline that uh, he was uh, set. Uh, No, no. But I did this employer during COVID as the imbecile wanted us back in the office at the first sign of easing, which was right before the second wave hit. I I did that job for another one, which ended up being even worse. The the second boss I ended up dealing with after after this one was was e- even even better. This guy actually was uh, probably from a slightly richer family because mommy and daddy somehow managed to make him a a, a, a CEO of a multinational mm. company uh, because they, they had offices in. <laughs> Canada, the US, uh, Estonia, and... So they have been bootstrapping for several generations, actually. Mm -hmm. Most likely. It won't be too much of a surprise, because um, my my current team lead actually told me that previously he worked for... What's the name? Um, There's this German toy maker that's kind of like a rip-off of Lego. Playmobil? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Guess what? The... um, uh, the pater familias, the uh, head honcho of the family of this empire, decided to uh, give his son something to to do because he kept uh, messing with the, with the company's mainframe computer and ruining uh, with with bugs the production line. Yeah, he he used it as his own computer because why not? Some other people would say, okay, I'll just buy him a computer. No, no, he he decides I literally built him a company in Malta. And he was the owner of this company, and my current team lead used to used to work there for for this guy. Long story short, uh, the the guy, the, the kid, ended up deciding to sell off the the company completely because he got bored of it one day. Even though it was actually surprisingly turning a profit. Of course, nobody was consulted in this decision. Everybody was just instantly. It's laid not off a democracy; it's a republic. All the people that contributed to the profits of this company, they weren't just good enough to make a decision on their own jobs. But anyway, my my former boss, uh, so this guy 
wanted a, a financial system, a thing that basically just handled transactions immediately. And he wanted it done in like two months. Uh, and it was, it was an actual ordeal that, that basically culminated in um, me having a mental breakdown, ending up with health issues, and the entire development team basically leaving immediately after the project was <laughs> done. <laughs> During this 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 period, you know, medical bills basically just doubled my living expenses. It was also all of this happened during the pandemic as well. And yeah, it took me about I think six months to actually put somewhat get slightly better in terms of in terms of of health out of out of this. And it was it was just insane. You know, like like you said, this literally didn't have to be delivered in two yeah. months. This, this this wasn't physically possible to be delivered in two in two months because we delivered a shit, actually, an utter flaming pile of shit. And at what cost? He ended up losing the entire development team. So anyway, two mental breakdowns later, <laughs> ends up at my current job, uh, which is well, at least it's a harkening back to the initial jobs I had, more of a traditional style corporation when working on a 15 year old project stable mm-hmm. project for the automotive industry where that's been mostly peace and quiet since i joined in march okay so would you say that there are any features that for instance distinguish the it or the tech industry in romania as opposed to any other place you've worked in I mean, let, let me preface this by, by saying, you know, obviously this is my own personal mm-hmm. subjective experience. You know, others might, might see it differently. Probably the first thing you'll notice, going back, way back to what I said about getting a job, the UK market seems to be oversaturated, while the Romanian one just doesn't seem to be able to hire enough people. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, Brexit has changed things a bit, because from oversaturated, probably they, they're, they're starting to get a bit more mm-hmm. desperate now hiring people but okay pre-brexit it was definitely oversaturated and 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 uh why do you think that is uh, is it because of the sheer volume of outsourced work or because there aren't enough people interested in stem in romania the difference that you are talking about between the two markets mm-hmm. <sighs> to be honest i, I think, there, think there's there's multiple factors at work here and in the case of uh, in the case of romania there's a there is interest well probably not not in a wider field of stem because there's always the issue you know when uh, you can't really do a technical education because we no longer have proper technical high schools anymore, so that thing goes out. But in the case of universities, usually you have you have parents going to tell you, "Why would you want to do that? Do you want to you want to die? You want to die of hunger? Get a real job." It's an Eastern European uh, parent slogan. Yes, we all recognize. Yeah. So at least in, in the fields of STEM, in the field of STEM, the the only uh, the only area that that's really interest interesting for people seems to be indeed indeed IT, mostly because of the media created image. I mean, it is a high paying field on average, but there's also an issue. They tend to overinflate things. They they sell this glamorous picture, usually inspired by uh, success stories from Silicon Valley tech bros and 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 stuff like that. 
which you know, as I've already mentioned, usually it's basically mommy and daddy finance their way to success, and that's not how how the field works in general. Plus, you also have this, uh, at least in Romania, I, I keep seeing this in news reports. Oh, the average pay in, in the IT field is this amount of, of lay. Well, yeah, that's the average, that's the statistical average. But in reality, actually, you have insane high, insanely high earners and top management, mm-hmm. and you have then everybody else, which indeed are paid more than, than the average in Romania. But the average within the sector is, you know, it's, it's like in this gap between these two social categories, which nobody actually earns. So, so this attracts a lot of people who are, who are saying, okay, you know what, I'm going to, I, this is not my passion, but I'm going to try to learn, uh, go into, into programming and see, you know, I want to earn more money so I can live a better life. You know, the, the problem is the, the system. Uh, back home, which are issues I've noticed among my friends as well. Uh, many are put off from finishing university because of how dull and backwards everything is. Top materials out of touch with reality, out of date, too much stuff lumped together which you could split into different specialties, bureaucracy makes you want to kill yourself or, or kill the others. The university's main only concern in Romania mostly is student retention because if you don't have enough students attending courses, they're, they're forced to close. Unfortunately, the methods they try to employ are, well, paradoxically, paradoxically they're part of the bleed-out problem because they, they try to force student retention by, you know, confiscating your your diplomas when, when applying. So make sure that you don't apply to a second university uh, at the same time. And, of course, then there's the politically connected administration, which you end up, at the end of the day, wondering how on earth did we actually end up ranking among the highest amount of anti-vaxxers in the EU. <laughs> Yeah. And of course, there's apart from this, so this is, this is education towards entering the IT field. This is the public sector. Then there's the private sector, which has a market, a semi-legal, probably completely unregulated market of private courses, which are mostly rip-offs because... Well, some unscrupulous uh, people working in IT have figured out that, hey, you know, you can actually make more money out of people's desperation to enter this field by pumping up this already ill-conceived, glamorous image of IT work and, you know, sell them some courses that that are completely ill-equipped to help them. Just keep them in the system to pay more and more money and more and more material until they just give up. Now, on the other side of the coin, the outsourcing market, as you said, when you expanded eastwards, it did so during the golden era of the cheap foreign labor mentality. Mm. I think this is no longer the case, given how much the EU has dragged its feet trying to integrate countries from the West Balkans, only to be vetoed out randomly by some Western country or another. This probably is because, you know, it's I think it's a signal that West European policymakers are now more concerned with scoring right-wing brownie points and, and their local with their local electorates. But yeah, the period from 2007 when uh, Romania and Bulgaria joined up until 2014-2015 when the first migrant crisis uh, happened and you know there, there was this rise in, in alt-right rhetoric. I think it cemented us in Bulgaria as a designated cheap labor pools of Europe, possibly Poland as well, because at least in the let's call it the Anglosphere, which Malta, Gibraltar, and Britain now. Uh, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of loads of Polish contractors as well. There's also a lot of Serbian and Ukrainian contractors as well, which makes me think that perhaps in this new cheap labor point 2.0 electric gigolo economy, <laughs> uh, 
if you have enough free trade agreements between the EU and third party countries, you know, hey, you no longer need to physically expand the union, you know? Mm-hmm. So you can keep the peasants out, but also reap the fruits of their labor and, you know, keep the, um, the, the nationalist electorate happy because you're not integrating any more countries into the, the EU. The EU has learned the lesson of the Ottoman Empire that at some point didn't even annex countries. They were like, yeah, just give us money and we'll pretend like we're fine. Yeah, you, you, you pretend you're in the EU, we'll pretend we'll give you benefits. You know, looking back at things, I'm still surprised how I managed to survive on 450 euros living in a matchbox in, in Cluj when I started my, my job. So can you put that salary into perspective for, you know, whoever at some point from outside Romania might be listening in on this? Some rough numbers, let me see. About three euros is a pack of coffee and four to five one of cigarettes. Kawarma, <laughs> which is the mainstay of corporate diet, probably about two euros. Um, I used to spend about 120 euros on utilities per month, and my rent in that matchbox of a dwelling was also 150, so that left me with about 180 euros to cover a whole month. Now, with as with every, you know, youth living in Romania or in Eastern Europe, the usual packet from from family and grandparents <laughs> was also, you know, Zakuska to the rescue. Oh yes. So in Romania they're recruiting left and right and most of this growth is due to the outsourcing sector. Western companies are desperate to offload their projects in countries like Romania and Bulgaria because apart from lower labor costs, I mean they're still in, in the in the common market. So even though you know like we already said they've They started figuring out ways of not necessarily needing people to be in the, in the common market. It still helps because you can put an office, a physical office, and manage things better this way. And it's well, legally, it's, it's it's still easier. So yeah, I mean, the Romanian industry, this IT industry, is still primarily centered around contractor-based services. Initially, in the 90s and early 2000s, IT in Romania was mostly based around uh, call center support services. Now we're, we're, we're doing outsourcing. Still little to no R&D, actual R&D. Again, because then this would involve uh, higher skilled labor, which obviously would have to be paid higher. And, well, I mean, on, on, on one side, yeah, the education system isn't really that great, to be honest. But on the other side, uh, that's not our main purpose as a market. We're, we're, we're just a cheap labor pool. Okay, things are, of course, evolving in a way that they are progressing. Salaries have started growing, at least before the pandemic. They even doubled, actually, since my since my first job. I mean, even Microsoft opened up a branch in Yash. Well, they planned on developing prod product called mm-hmm. Surface Duo, but, you know, Microsoft being Microsoft, they actually don't think they actually managed to go through that project. And I don't... And... I, and be honest, whoever joined them back in Yash probably got redundant immediately because I didn't see any other news or activity or anything happening in Yash anymore. That's so. probably because of the divorce between Bill and Melinda, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, 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 they were definitely fighting on, on the Yash. I mean, office. come on, of course. From an employee's perspective, are your everyday experiences all that different now that you work, you know, abroad? Well, for once, uh, OHS, A-OSHA, is almost non-existent. That's Occupational Health and Safety uh, Authority. The guys who technically are supposed to ensure that, you know, you live in a, in a healthy and, and proper work environment, that the employer doesn't basically rip you off, like on a slave plantation. Now, 
Minor aside, because this happened recently, there's a massive scandal here in Malta, which involved a, um, a refugee uh, working on a construction company here who uh, had a work accident. And these guys from the occupation OHSA didn't do their job, uh, and the employer wasn't really keen on providing any kind of protection or you know spending useless money. Employee safety. Uh, you know what? What what the employer decided to do? Uh, he literally took the guy as he was there, wounded with his back broken, uh, took him away several kilometers and dumped him in a ditch. You're trash, kid. What? And also threatened him not to say anything about it, because he'll kick him out of the country. Okay, well, I mean... The latest news is that the guy who did this, and obviously there was a massive public uproar against this, guess what happened? Justice has been served. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, we definitely live in a world full of yeah. meritocracy and justice, so... <laughs> I mean, uh, if he would have just learned to code, yeah, you know, yeah, this would have yeah, never yeah, happened. Yeah. So. so I've been told. So, I mean, apart from this, for instance, they don't even, nobody seems to be tracking working time, at least for the first two companies I, I worked for. This one actually, apparently this one, the current employer I'm working for, actually does things by the book. Uh, but the first two ones, nobody bothered tracking time. It, it, they just automatically filled in eight, eight hours, and, and, and that was that. Now, the downside to that was obviously you couldn't fill in any, any kind of overtime, because there was no system to do that, so, yeah. Okay. But did they pay you for overtime? No. Of no. Did they offer something like time off for overtime you did? No. Or? Everybody worked themselves uh, constantly over time. So you had this, uh, you know, this, this unfortunate uh, mentality of, uh, you know, we, 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 we work to work, work is glorious. We have to work to literally, literally <laughs> drop dead, this Stakhanovite mentality. This, this, this for me is just like such a foreign concept. <laughs> why, why the fuck would I work myself to death? Because <laughs> of the glory I, I of the code. You don't I, understand. I, I, <laughs> no, I genuinely, I, I genuinely don't. Uh, I have some other friends uh, that uh, have this uh, issue, you know. Uh, <laughs> it is an that, issue. Uh, it's an illness. It, seriously, guys, it is. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you this in the most friendly way because you should seek the treatment, definitely. I, I mean, I understand if you go into, I don't know, um, emergency medicine or something. Yeah, don't be a slacker ghost. in the emergency room. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you know, like the... The, 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 there actually are jobs where like you have to work every minute where you're there but also even in, in those jobs when your your shift is over you really should go the fuck home and they, if they need more people they should fucking hire more people but if you are working in the IT department so the code whatever program people run will realize I have no idea what I'm saying here whatever the work <laughs> it is that you people do is not done, so what? It will be done tomorrow. <laughs> but it has to be done yesterday. You don't get it. No, no, I really, I, I really don't. It's like the trousers of time, but they're all crumpled up and put in the, like, clothes basket. So, um, thank you, Bogdan, for uh, joining us and uh, hope to see you soon again. My pleasure, as always. And I, and, and, and I genuinely mean, I hope yeah, to actually yeah. see you. So. And before we get teary-eyed with this goodbye, <laughs> yeah. I think we should just uh, thank yeah. uh, any one of the, any one of the five listeners. <laughs> 
<laughs> for listening to the podcast and uh, probably poo on the cat because of how yeah, much I and, and and you know the you know the usual drill uh, share and follow and subscribe and uh, spread the word about this if you like it and uh, we'll uh, see you soon bye yeah, yeah. bye, bye.